Hello and welcome to another podcast in the Argo series, Driving Discussions, uh, focusing on the fuels market. We are in Europe today and we'll be talking about the impact on the European gas oil market from the coronavirus and in particular the developments in the diesel trading market and connected clean freight market. My name is Josephine Alström, VP Business Development for Europe here at Argus. And with me today, I have Harry Riley-Gold, who is covering gas oil for Argus for our European products report. Welcome, Harry. Hi, Josephine. And also we have Niklas Kuriakoglu uh, from our freight team covering clean products freight. Uh, welcome, Niklas. Thank you. So, Harry, uh, let's start with looking at the gasoline market and the current market structure and demand picture. What is it looking like here now presently and, and if you look further down the forward curve? So, at present, uh, the gas oil market is facing um, the possibility of quite significant oversupply relative to end user demand. And that's one factor that has uh, led to a period of sustained contango in the ice gas oil forward curve. That means that the prices for ice gas oil futures are higher for contracts that expire further out than those that expire soon. So, for example, last Friday, the April contract was trading at a $7 per ton discount to the May contract and an $18.50 per ton discount to the June contract. Uh, And when you have this structure in the forward market, this makes it economical to buy gas oil and then place it into storage uh, and then using futures contracts to sell um, further out when the price will be higher. Um, So as long as the spread between the prompt and future price is larger than the cost of storing the product tank, then that means you can make an easy profit. So how are these movements on gas oil um, related to crude and the extreme movements that we have seen seen since um, beginning of March? So uh, the gas oil forward curve has actually been in contango since late February. But the curve steepened dramatically in early March, which was when the OPEC plus group of oil exporting nations failed to agree a new production cut. um, And then subsequently, the Saudi Arabian government announced a large increase in its oil production, as well as a cut to sales prices. Now, the impact of this on the crude oil forward curve was to push that curve into a steeper contango structure, which then also pulled the gas oil curve into a steeper contango structure as a result. Um, because gas oil prices are ultimately derived from crude prices, and therefore the curve is very receptive to price movements in oil futures, um, particularly dramatic swings like that which we saw in March. Um, So it was really only after the crude prices plummeted that we began to see extremely high flows of diesel heading to tanks to bridge. That's that's very interesting. Thanks, uh, Harry. So so how do you see this interact then with demand? Hasn't diesel been hit um, as extreme as, for example, gasoline demand sign, which we also spoke about last week in our podcast? And and if not the same as gasoline, are you then saying and or seeing that diesel is much more profitable than gasoline for the European refiners? So the picture on the demand side is somewhat mixed. Um, Certainly, we're seeing less demand from the passenger vehicle sector and some freight sectors, and that's because of lower economic activity um, as a result of the lockdown measures that are being put in place in order to combat the coronavirus. Um, However, on the other hand, this steepening contango structure in the forward curve has actually stimulated higher demand for gas oil from traders who are looking to make the kind of storage play that I I mentioned before. And so, uh, in addition, we're also seeing some higher demand from some end users Um, particularly in Germany, 
um, who are responding to the lower outright gas oil price to stock up on diesel and also heating oil whilst product is cheap. Um, so heating oil demand, particularly in Germany, which is a major source uh, of demand, is is very price sensitive and, and responds very quickly to uh, moves in the outright price. So it was because of this, as well as widespread maintenance work at European refineries, um, that middle distillate margins to crude have actually seen pretty strong gains um, since uh, in, in recent weeks, even as increasingly strict measures to contain the coronavirus outbreak have been introduced in Europe. Um, the other factor is because of this maintenance work, uh, Europe is net short diesel. Therefore, when there's heavy maintenance in Europe, that has a much bigger impact on prices as opposed to gasoline, which Europe has a surplus of, which is one reason why you've seen such a big discrepancy between diesel and middle distillate prices and gasoline prices. So, but the big question in recent weeks now has been what is going to happen to gas oil prices once storage capacity has run out and that demand from traders starts to dwindle. Uh, in the Mediterranean, where tank capacity is more limited than Northwest Europe, we've actually seen prices fall relatively sharply compared to the North. Um, and Mediterranean diesel cargoes are now trading at the widest discount to cargoes in the North in around nine years. It's because of falling tank capacity that traders therefore have begun to discuss the possibility of using oil products tankers as floating storage. This is for gas oil, but also for jet and gasoline, uh, the latter two products which have forward curves that are also in steep contango and then therefore potentially uh, you would have a higher profit from putting them into storage. Um, so I'll leave that for Nick to discuss a bit more on the economics of tank storage, floating tank storage. So thanks for that uh, elegant segue over to our other guest today, Nicolas. Um, coming from um, more looking at the freight side of it. So do you think, Nicholas, that with the falling tanks per capacity on land, um, do you see on your side developments in the clean freight market for floating storage? Is it something that is starting to happening or is it perhaps already a widespread practice at the moment for diesel traders? Thanks, Josephine. So in the tanker market, um, we have seen a few storage deals done, uh, but mostly Northwest Europe uh, so far. But some people in the market are also talking about Mediterranean storage um, in particular, as that uh, is more limited than in Northwest Europe. Uh, but so far, jet fuel has been mostly the only product for which we have seen consistent flo uh, floating storage demand, uh, which is likely because air transport was hit more quickly than uh, road transportation. But um, the problem for charters so far, like diesel traders and refiners who are looking to store oil products offshore, has been that while oil product markets tanked significantly, freight rates have remained relatively high in the past few weeks, at least in Northwest Europe and the Mediterranean. Uh, and even up to this week on the larger ships, like the LR1s and the LR2s, um, which carry 60 and 90,000 ton cargoes, uh, freight rates have remained quite firm, uh, while on the smaller MRs and handy sizes, they have now started to cool off uh, at the end of last week and this week. So, so Nicholas, what does this really mean for anyone looking at floating storage? Is it an attractive option? Well, mainly it has been difficult to find ships at attractive rates to store oil, um, because ship owners at this time uh, would likely prefer to trade in the in the spot market. Uh, because the charter rates there are high for voyages. Uh, so this means that anybody uh, who is looking to book storage um, has been looking at relatively expensive rates uh, for those ships. 
So instead of, but some charters, instead of booking uh, ships just for storage, um, they're looking at product tankers uh, to employ a flexible strategy uh, where they can use the ship either as storage uh, or to place them in the spot market themselves. And and when you look at the other vessel sizes like LR1s, LR2s, is that the same picture you see there? Yeah, so we see it across the board, I would say. Um, so far, it, it's been mainly long-range 2 and long-range 1 tankers, which have been put up for storage um, because those also carry the larger cargoes. Um, so the, the LR2s that we have seen have been either booked or attempted to be booked at around sort of $45,000 to $50,000 per day. Um, and the LR1s around, say, thirty dollars to $35,000 per day, uh, although a few have suggested maybe slightly more than that. So at these higher levels, storing a 90,000-ton cargo uh, would cost just under $18 per ton per 30 days. Uh, and about similar levels for a 60,000 ton cargo. So this means that for both LR1s and LR2s, if the price differential between April and June, let's say, is $30 per ton, as it is on jet fuel, uh, the product charters could profitably store product for just over 50 days. Um, but as we discussed, the differential and gas oil are, are not strong enough at the moment to justify just storing the product on a ship for let's say 50 days uh, or more. Um, and because that container might not be steep enough, it seems that charters are not interested in doing just storage per se uh, and are employing this flexible strategy that I mentioned with the ships that they're booking. Um, so some of the ship brokers that we have spoken to um, say that instead of just taking the ship to store, um, they're taking them on short time, tar time charters. So those would be at least on the LR1s and LR2s, uh, at least four months and up to nine months. Uh, and during that time, they can decide what to do with the ship. Um, so in this scenario, let's say a ship is booked for 49 months. Uh, the charter may then sub-charter that ship in the spot market during the first month. Uh, and after that, they might decide to load the ship up for storage. This kind of allows the charter to lock in a daily higher price uh, you know, for a specific amount of time during which they can decide what they want to do with the ship. So, but can't charter just delay discharging products um, and instead of sort of looking, instead of looking for new vessels to charter uh, with an option to use as floating storage? Well, no, if, in, if instead they booked uh, the ship for a voyage and then decided to delay the discharging of the cargo, which would, as you say, effectively be storage, uh, they would actually pay a higher daily rate uh, for demerge, which is a, a form of payment to the ship owner uh, for delaying the vessel. Um, so trading firm Clearlake is a good example of this. Um, Clearlake took the Torm Marin, which is an LR2, uh, so it can take up to 90,000 ton cargoes, from Northwest Europe on a time charter deal uh, at $47,500 per day for around six months. And instead of storing oil in the ship right away, the company attempted to sub-charter the ship to Saudi Aramco's trading arm uh, ATC for a voyage from Yanbu, which is in the Red Sea, to Northwest Europe uh, for 4.1 million. So that is revenue for Clearlake. And according to one ship broker, Clearlake would earn around $12,000, excuse me, $12,500 a day in that trade as profit before accounting for bunker costs. In the end, the deal fell through, but 
that is sort of one example of how some charters are trying to be more uh, more flexible with a strategy um, by maybe earning some uh, revenue in the spot market and then taking the ship out for storage. Okay, and what about uh, MR tankers then? What's the status there currently? So I'd say demand for the MR tankers has been um, not as pronounced as for the other ones and the other twos, uh, but a few have have booked uh, medium range tankers and, and those usually carry sort of 35,000 to 40,000 ton cargoes. Um, the rates that we are hearing that are offered are around nineteen to twenty-two thousand dollars per day, uh, which means that uh, a charter would make profit at just over 50, forty days if the price is the difference between June and April is thirty dollars per ton. So it's slightly more expensive than uh, than the other ones and the other twos. Uh, we've seen one booked at twenty thousand seven hundred fifty dollars per day. And storing a say a 37,000 ton cargo would cost just over $19 per ton per 30 days. So the LR2s are slightly more economical. And and uh, finally, I mean yes, the other group um, cargo. So the handy size and uh, and is that similar there? So with the handy size, it's only just this week we heard of some storage interest in the Mediterranean. Um, these ships are usually carry between 30 and 33,000 ton cargoes. Um, but since uh, storage in the Mediterranean is more limited and the handy sizes are used quite extensively in the Mediterranean, um, I think that's why we started seeing some more uh, interest this week. So one refiner reportedly offered a gas oil cargo from La Vera to another Mediterranean port um, with a storage option after the voyage. Uh, but so far, it's kind of unclear for how long the storage option is and how it works if they decide to do the voyage. Uh, but most likely will be a similar deal to how the charters are op- operating the LR2s, uh, where they can hire the ship to either store oil or trade in the spot market. So do you think, I mean, hearing all these different vessel sizes and what's going on, should we expect more options for floating storage? And um, um, I mean... If people start to use this option of of uh, using uh, the storage option in their contracts, um, and also, I mean, quite quite importantly, so anyone who would like to understand uh, or follow the assessment that you publish on on freight, can you please give us a brief on what is the August freight report? Mm-hmm. So to answer your first question, I believe that there is potential for us to see more storage as it relates to the freight market um, because freight rates as I said at the start uh, have been relatively high but now that European product demand has been pretty heavily hit um, the short and medium haul freight rates which would be on the medium range and ha- tankers and the handy size tankers uh, will come down further and as they come down sort of persuading ship owners to take uh, you know short time charter deals for storage at lower rates uh, will become easier for the charters um, and you can follow those price movements uh, in the Argus freight report. Um, in particular, our uh, Argus assessed price uh, for long-range two tankers from the Mediterranean to Japan is at 4.05 million uh, currently, and uh, for the long-range one tankers from Northwest Europe to West Africa, the price is uh, $36 per ton. And these are sort of reference prices for where the market is heading uh, in those two tanker sizes and both are relatively high at the moment which might explain 
sort of the relatively slow uptake for um, product tankers. On the smaller ones, so the medium range tankers uh, carrying 37,000 tons from the UK continent to the US Atlantic coast, uh, the, the Argus assessed freight rate is down 16% to $23.72 per ton uh, since last Monday on 30th of March. And the, hand, the Argus assessed handy size rate for 30,000 ton cargoes from the UK continent, uh, excuse me, from the Baltic to the UK continent is also down 13%. Uh, to $14.03 uh, per ton since that time. So I urge anyone interested in the potential for, for more storage deals on these ships um, to follow the Argus Freight Report to stay up to date with those prices. Um, and, and Harry, so anyone wants to follow the gas oil markets, uh, can you tell us where do they find it or how is it covered in the European Products Report here at Argus? So uh, as part of the European products report, we're issuing daily prices on a number of gas oil products, including heating oil and diesel barges traded in ARA, as well as heating oil cargoes in Northwest Europe and the Mediterranean and diesel cargoes in Northwest Europe and the Mediterranean. And that's part of our larger coverage of middle distillates, which also includes in-depth analysis of the jet market. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Harry, for useful insights on the gas oil and Nicholas on the freight side. That has been a very, very useful conversation. And for any of the listeners, if you would like to track the immediate fallout from the coronavirus on the commodity markets, uh, simply just head over to our dedicated hub page on the August Media website, which is www.augustmedia.com slash coronavirus. And many thanks for listening.